Welcome to Your Music Saved Us, where two friends blast ourselves into the past to relive and recontextualize the alternative Christian music we grew up listening to in the 1990s. My name is Jay, and I'll be your host for today. With me is, well, you, you know, I'm glad we're here together because it's it's time to talk. Clifton, your life seems so hopeless and melancholy. I, I want you to know <laughs> that you're still young, but you can't find the strength to move on. But but it's out yeah. there, brother. It's out there. Clifton, how are you feeling today? Too close to home, Jay. <laughs> 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 no, it's good. It's good. Uh, I'm I'm doing good today. Yeah, better than yesterday. Yesterday was a was a melancholy day. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, happy Easter. Oh, right. Thank you. You too. Yeah. <laughs> we're not this. We're recording out of order, so this is going to come out way after Easter, probably. But yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, Clifton, what are we listening to today? All right, Jay. You know how a lot of times we talk about how like popular Christian bands are like the not as good version of secular music. Yes. <laughs> what if I told you that this is kind of like the even better version of a, of secular music? No way. No yeah, way. Yeah. Specifically better than like mid 90s skate punk that was actually like going on in the secular world at the time. The guitars, lyrics, vocals, all great, super tight. This is an album that I think outshines even the secular world. You buying it? I mean, <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm having flashbacks <laughs> to like pocket change and stuff, but right, yeah. Um, yeah, that's this is not pocket change. We're 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 talking about the 1998 Craig's Brothers album, Homecoming. Okay, all right, fair, fair, fair. fair. <laughs> As we get started. Was this easy to find? Is this easy to listen to? Yep. Yeah, it's Tooth and Nail, and all the Tooth and Nail stuff is out there these days, thankfully, so yeah. not hard to find. Yeah. Are we getting preached at? You know, a little bit, but not in any, like, you know, it's not like Plank Eye or Stavesick or something like that. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty humane, I think. Yeah, fair. I, I kind of agree with you. The and, and even one of the songs is like, kind of preaching at you but in a well we'll get to it very different way right yeah how do we end up listening to this because as you said we're doing this out of order why in the world are we doing this <laughs> album right now because after uploading and listening to the squad 50 uh concert that uh is from uh that you you gave me to upload from uh the 90s craig's brother was on there for about five to ten minutes and i just could not get it out of my head so we're doing this <laughs> Yeah, and um, just to plug that video, I mean, it's it's terrible quality in some ways, <laughs> um, but you guys should check it out if you if you like these bands because I think it's the only place on the internet right now that we have video of Craig's brother from this like iteration of the yeah. band. Like this is yeah. right after this album came out, summer of '98. Right. 
like like they toured that summer and then the uh, the guitarist left we'll get into that later but uh yeah i i scoured youtube for live recordings and first off it's hard to find anything from the 90s at all yeah i found like two or three shows maybe and all of those are from 99 after after the lineup change and so this is the only one i found with the with the homecoming lineup so check it out there's also a halo friendlies and mm-hmm. Squad Five O, and yep. maybe a hot second of Lug Soul. <laughs> one, one hot second. <laughs> um, but before we go on, I want to remind everyone to visit Patreon.com/slash/YMSU to contribute to get extended episodes. Thank you to our patrons; we really appreciate you. And again, as we always say, this, <laughs> we're definitely not making any money off this, but um, some of the stuff helps with production and making our lives a little easier. And getting these episodes out faster so with that clifton tell us a little bit about craig's brother okay so this is kind of cobbled together from interviews from podcasts and things like that from ted and adam and definitely between the two of them and especially even like just some interviews with ted over several years they don't always match up you know so take this as with a little bit of salt this is this is what i can put together based on the like the the oral history of the time period and maybe most importantly i couldn't find an interview with andy snyder because and this is why it's important the the band actually began in 1995 with andy snyder putting the band together so this is a uh, santa cruz county which uh i'm uh, uh from from an interview with adam is important because that is uh, the county up in the mountains, not the city on the beach. And those are two different areas of, of the county, and they kind of don't interact with each other, I guess. So uh, uh, this is around the end of high school for most of these guys. Um, and all the members had been in previous bands before, too numerous to, to mention here. And they almost immediately put out a demo, uh, kind of the end of 1995, with two songs that would make it onto the, to Homecoming and two other songs. Um, and you, you can actually find those that uh, Craig's brother put out a kind of early years um, anthology type thing in uh, 2011 or 13 or something like that. So then they're uh, a- after uh, putting out that EP or sorry, that demo some, in, the, in 1985, somewhere in the 1996 range, um, they're playing around, but they, they're uh, they kind of decided to go pretty serious at the, around this time. And uh, one of the guitarists and their bass player left because they just couldn't commit to kind of the seriousness of of touring and, and practicing and, and, all, and playing as much as, as the rest of the band wanted to. And around this time, they also turned down a, uh, a record deal offer from a smaller Christian label, although I never could find out who that was from, feeling that they kind of wanted to aim higher. And they also didn't want to you know, kind of corner themselves in the Christian market because even though they they were Christians in a band, they didn't feel that uh, they were a Christian band. And we'll come to that later again. We're, we're, we're going to address that subject specifically later. Um, so around the beginning of 1997, the uh, lineup that would become the, the standard, what would be the, the lineup for this album, uh, kind of came together, which is Ted Bond on vocals, Adam Nye on guitars, Andy Snyder on other guitar, Heath K- uh, Kunkel, I think it is, Knuckle, I think it's Kunkel, because I have a family member with the same, with the same last name <laughs> on drums, and Scott Rapoff, Rapoff on bass. 
1997, they put out another demo. They toured with The Blamed. Adam, when Adam joined, he actually joined right after the demo was done being recorded. But he really, really, really wanted to send the demo out to Tooth and Nail. The rest of the guys were not convinced because, of course, they'd already turned down one Christian label and they wanted to not be cornered in that uh, in that market. But Adam convinced them that Tooth and Nail was kind of a crossover label, you know, with the with success success of MXPX at the time. Um, and supposedly Slick Shoes even reached out to them um, after they sent the demo in. Um, they also sent out demos to other places, such as Fat Records, but they got a rejection letter from Fat. So they signed with Tooth and Nail. And they uh, they recorded, in the uh, end of 1997, they recorded this album at the West Beach Studios, uh, which was important to them. It was the same studio that Bad Religion typically recorded at, and several other punk bands in the area of the time. Um, and, you know, usually we stop right here, um, but I think it's important to address a little bit of history because we're going to have to talk about it in that, well, uh, first off, I want to say, actually, that I think one of the things that makes this album really successful is that there's three songwriters so ted andy and adam are all writing songs for the album and and so you you know most bands are lucky to have one good songwriter right but they have i think three really fantastic songwriters on this album and then going into 1998 uh which was this album was released uh either i I couldn't figure out if it was released in march of 1998 or in the summer of 1998 could you figure that out jay uh, I thought it said, I think it says somewhere it's like May something okay. nineteen. That makes more sense to me because I definitely like lived with this album my senior year, I think, which would have been 88, 88 98, 99. Yeah. Right. And then going into, so after after it came out, they toured with, you know, Squad 5-0, Halo Friendlies, Huntington's, 238, Slick Shoes, Dogwood, a bunch of touring, like little small tours. From Ted's perspective, he thinks that uh, that Adam left the band because... You know, they they were kind of like most of the guys of the band, specifically Heath, Ted, and Scott were kind of crazy on the tour, you know, like partied a little bit. But from Adam's perspective, he left the tour because he wanted to be a songwriter and singer. And he didn't like the fact that all of his songs kind of had to go through the Craig's Brother filter um, that was kind of controlled by, by Andy and Ted. So Adam left and actually took Andy with him and they formed uh, Too Bad Eugene. So quickly, they re- they replaced uh, uh, Andy and Adam with uh, Ryan Key and uh, a guy named Dan. I can't remember. I didn't find Dan's last name. I should have. Um, but Ryan Key would actually later on go go later on to be in Yellow Card. Um, but they toured together kind of 1999, um, and then and, and then Ryan left, and they were a four piece for quite a while after that. So it's kind of important to understand the history of Craig's brother that this is kind of the only album that had this lineup. You kind of touched on it, but do you remember when you picked this up, like when it first came into your life? I mean, I, I don't remember specifically, but I assume it was like right when it came out. Cause I remember it, there was a huge marketing push by tooth and nail for this album. So probably like right when it came out, I just bought it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I have strange memories of like in the summers during high school, I had like a lawn mowing business and, you know, so I spent a lot of time <laughs> mowing a lot of yeah. lawns. And I have specific memories of listening to this. Um, this is back like Discman days, right? So I've got mm-hmm. it kind of like in a fanny pack, like hooked up so I can like walk around <laughs> and listen to this while I'm mowing. Um, and uh, I specifically remember this album. And I think 
and I might be wrong, Clifton, but my friends and I had like a radio show in high school, mainly because mm-hmm. one of our friends was the pastor's son of this church. So it was just on this like <laughs> Christian station. I don't even know really if anyone listened. Um, yeah. They made us record it ahead of time so that like, uh, I guess <laughs> they could censor it or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we didn't actually do it live. But anyway, somehow especially the pastor's son, Nathan, got a little ambitious and somehow decided to book <laughs> that tour that we have the video of <laughs> that summer, even though none of us knew what, you know, what the hell we were doing. Um, <laughs> but somehow, I think through that booking agent, they sent him, I think, like a pre-release of this CD, because I think we oh. got this, not much earlier, but, you know, but a little bit earlier before that. And I think that's the first time I heard it. And to be honest mm. with you, I don't know. Like, I feel like in that, at that point in my life, I was kind of like, okay, punk, like there's starting to be a lot of Christian punk bands. And I don't mm-hmm. know if I would have paid as much attention to it had we not already kind of been working on that show. Um, yeah. But anyway, I remember mowing a lot of lawns, listening to a lot of Craig's brother. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you picked it up right after it came out, kind of like I did. How'd you feel about it at the time? Oh, man, I've, I mean, I fucking love this album. Like, it's, there's not, okay, no, there's one bad song in it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the whole thing is kind of epic. The guitars are, like, complex and layered and fast, and the vocals are just super unique. We'll talk about that later. I, and I think the, the vocals probably are what stuck with me for, for, for all these years, because um, I know that, I'm, like, many times I've come back, like, and listened to this album again and wish that I could, like, hear the vocals again for the first time does that make sense yeah like like that that newness of hearing these vocals for the first time was just so shocking to me back then that it just i just immediately fell in love with this album uh yeah but it just i listened to it constantly and i think i was you know a little bit like you i, I was still listening to punk but it was it was having to be a little bit different, right? Like I needed some more depth out of the punk at the time, you know. So I I I, I think that looking back on it, like if if something like something if something this mature hadn't come out around this time, I probably would have moved on from punk, you know. <laughs> like I probably would have moved on looking for something different. Yeah, I I agree a lot. I don't think I could have said it any better than you did, um, but. Really enjoyed it, and and we'll get to this in a second. But the same kind of thing, like the first time you put it on and you hear those vocals, yeah. um, and I've heard some people say like they really didn't like it, but I remember being like, oh, what it <laughs> yeah. like really no. kind of hooked because it wasn't, it just wasn't the same as any of the other stuff mm-hmm. I'd heard like that. Um, yeah, and even like going into college and like saying. You know, other people saying, "Okay, here's like some some things that influence some secular music that influences band." You know, I remember listening to those bands and being like, "Vocals don't sound the same." Gone. You know, <laughs> like I was looking for those vocals. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good, but the music too. I mean, I get, we'll get to it. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to. Um, but I guess before we jump in, were there any songs that stood out to you from your memories, even kind of before you listened to this this time? Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's there's so many epic songs in this, you know. So like, dear Annie, who am I? Potential, insult to injury, homecoming, dear Charlotte, like all of these are just like 
in my head. Like, I don't think I had to look at the album again to to name these. You know, <laughs> they were just they were just still there with me all these years later. Yeah, I don't feel like I knew the name of all the songs necessarily, but like, yeah. definitely knew a lot of them. Um, yeah. Well, okay. It sounds like we may know the answer to this, but did you have any <laughs> expectations before you listened to it again? You know, a lot of times I'm worried when we go back to these things, like, am I going to like this still? And I w- like, this is one thing that I was not worried about. I was pretty sure that this was going to be amazing. And, and it was, yeah. yeah, I, I was a little more worried, um, but it, it held up. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, should we jump right into it? Let's do it. All right. So the album starts off with the first song insult to injury. Yeah. And it starts off with kind of this, like there's feedback. And then like another feedback comes in and then another feedback comes in and they're like in harmony together. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, they're like a bass drum goes anyways. And then everything comes in and immediately, like I said earlier, it's just fast and layered guitars. And, and one, I will say one thing that immediately stood out to me because coming off of doing squad five Oh and roadside monument is weirdly like how kind of like upper mids and treble focus this album is mixing wise. Like there's just like a lot of guitar in that kind of trebly range. And so you can hear the guitars there are pretty, pretty busy, right? They're, they're moving quick. I mean, of course the beat's fast, but the guitars are also just like all over the place. We've got a fairly like rhythm centric guitar and then more of a lead guitar. Um, and one thing I was looking for when I was looking for the live videos that I didn't find from this, from this lineup is that when I was watching the one from Amarillo, is that the uh, the lead guitarist hold he, like he his guitar is like way up high, um, when it, like 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 kind of dorky high, you know, like like for a, for a punk guitarist, but it kind of needs to be to do the intricacy intricate things that he's doing without really hurting your wrist over time. Uh, and I wanted to see more of what he was doing, but I, I, I never could find any of the uh, any more live stuff from there. But it's he's he's. He's just a really good guitarist, though. And and one of the things that will jump out at you almost immediately is that even when, you know, things are repeating, you know, like in a verse, for example, you know, even, let's say you got like a four chord structure or something like that. You're never you're very rarely going to hear the same thing repeated over and over again in the sense that they may be playing something based on the same four root four chord structure. But they're doing something different each time it comes around, you know. Uh, so, so the guitars are just just super detailed, super all over the place. Nothing's ever dull. And then the vocals come in, and uh, you know we we've already described them as being unique. But it's it's almost like they took being nasal as a challenge, you know. But in in the best way that that nasal can be 
can be on and out. Yeah, in vocals. Yeah. <laughs> and then probably one of the best parts about this is that right before the vocals come in, there's this little reverse fade in that happens. I, I want one. So now you're offering these hand-me-down beliefs. You offer neither solace nor relief. In a world of hate, we're told to wait. So now you're promising your Disney religion. Living in your world. Yeah, I yeah. love that part because it, it kind of helps highlight those vocals yeah. coming in and it it's it's one of those things that i don't know i i didn't listen to the original older version of the song well enough to see if it was in that it seems just no, kind of no. like probably just like a little production trick but it like yeah. really adds to it it's just it a does, nice thing yeah. that really adds to it and I, I think it's just like literally it's just the one chord like with 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 some drums going on in the background that's just reversed like <laughs> you know and then fades in but it does. It hits really hard, um, and and it and it and it just it brings. I mean, there's already a lot of energy to this, but it, it, that itself brings so much energy to it too. Um, and then you get you get those like screeching guitars going on, and just every note seems so so well rehearsed. Like a lot of the music I like, I think I've described before, is like I like things that feel like they're about to fall apart, and this never feels like that. No, <laughs> no, know? this is no. extremely tight. Yes. Yeah. These guys, this is, this is not your old school punk rock. This is skate punk that is tight and well put together. And, and just like, you know, I, in an interview, Ted, uh, the lead singer was talking about that. Obviously they'd never recorded an album before they'd done some demos, but they never recorded an album before. And no one really reached out to them to do pre-planning for the album. So they did it on their, on their own and they planned out like, every single note you know and and i think it really shows that this is like this there's so there's so much writing going on here you know because it's not just play these four chords eight times and move on you know it is it is something new every time something comes around um one of the things that this album gets uh, compared to a lot and and that ted compared it to he said he was listening to uh to Lagwagon's Hoss a lot when they recorded this. Have you heard it? Uh, barely. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. I can imagine the cover right now. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> with with John Wayne on it, you know, as 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 some you know cowboy something. <laughs> right. But the I went back and listened to the album for for this, and you know, there's some guitar stuff that I think maybe sounds familiar, but this is so much better like this is just <laughs> this is i mean it's tighter there's more going on there's more writing there's more interesting you know there's more interest in it like there's just I, 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 that's why that's why i did the introduction there where i said that this is i mean i think this outshines the other things that were going on in the in the punk scene at the time just because they kind of maybe they obsessed over this i don't know but it's this is this is better than what everything else that I can find out there from around this time. Yeah, it it sounds really mature. Um, yeah, like it does not sound like a band's first <laughs> album no. at all. I was struck <laughs> with that going back through this because you're right. There's not really any bad songs. Maybe one, um, and yeah. it's not even that bad. And so, and by one we mean one. Yeah, oh, like it's okay. it's really it was hard to narrow the songs down on this. Honestly, <laughs> yes, it um, was. for this, it, but. Yeah, it, it, there's really not a lot of that kind of, you know, 
first album we're figuring out some stuff and it's super tight another thing that struck me with this this song especially but on a couple others too is the drums are so fast Mm-hmm. And they and at first I was like, oh my god, is this like the fastest punk album ever? And then I even went and listened to like Slick Shoes, and I was like, oh no, it's about the same speed, but for some reason yeah. this just feels faster. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I know that makes no sense, but it's just something about <laughs> it being there's so much... really driving. You know? Yeah, there's there's. I mean, the the drums hit hard, the guitars hit hard. You know, in Slick Shoes, you've got Jackson, and he's a great guitarist, um, but for most of the time it's just him. You know. Uh, they were a four piece for the most part, weren't they? At least on the, at least on uh, the first few albums. And, but here you have two amazing guitarists that are kind of just dueling with each other for, for, to, to an extent, you know, like it, 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 it reminds me of like some, some like math rock type stuff, but you know, get into later, you know, with like the jazz tune or some stuff like that, you know, where we just have these guitars that are kind of going at each other, but this is fast, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's just, there's just so much energy because of that and how they play off of each other, you know? Cause it's not just, it's not just a fast guitar. It is, it is, it is things bouncing off of each other that are just, it's almost like a ping pong ball, right? Like you kind of don't expect where it's going to go next, you know? Because it has just a little bit of chaos built in. Anyways, uh, the intro, you know, is kind of full energy, but I, I really want to listen to the guitars that kind of come in right at the end of the, like, like right at the end of the first verse and into the second verse. I'm going to actually pull it up here so we can listen to it without the vocals. You have that lead guitar going on there. Yeah, that lead guitar going on there, and it you know, he's he's playing riffs, but like where you would expect him to repeat a riff, he goes off and does something else in this kind of crazy way that you're like, okay, well now there was that also. And it's I don't know, it, it makes it feel even more energetic than it act than it than it is speed wise yeah i think yeah i think that might be part of it yeah because he's just riffing all over the place um <laughs> it's not this just steady like you know some punk like like i love the huntingtons for instance and i know that's right, a very yeah. different style of punk but they're not doing that kind of stuff they're no. just playing straight <laughs> chords straight yeah. through just power chords great yes. for it and i love that but <laughs> this is totally different going all over the place really fast yeah yeah and then I want you to listen to these. We've already talked about how kind of the drums are massive. L- listen to these massive, massive drums here that go from like just hard hitting toms to this epic drum roll that's going to happen twice. And then we're also going to get some nice harmonic uh, kind of backing vocals in here at the same time. Just hold your tongue for a second and spare me your two minute advice. You got me blind and give you my eyes. Just hold your tongue.
great, great, great vocals, great background vocals, but that drum, that, that roll that kind of just go, it goes on for four measures, I think. Like, yeah. it's just, it's pretty great. <laughs> Anyways, the, the, uh, another thing that Craig's brother, I think, is amazing at is writing these great bridges. This one has a pretty, a pretty neat little bridge here. It's not as epic, I think, as we're going to get into. In fact, Jay and I have been arguing over bridges, uh, in, in the preparation for this episode because, we're trying to figure out which one is the best, and we disagree. So oh, we might I know throw, which one is the best. <laughs> we're going to throw up a little poll for that uh, when this episode comes out so we can decide as a community on what, what bridge is the best bridge uh, for, for Craig's brother. This one isn't my vote, but it's a nice little nice little guitar bridge. Like that tone and like the, just the lead there. So good, so good. This is this is that era of tooth and nail where, like, you know, post MXPX getting big, mm-hmm. Supertones even have kind of broken out big now. So they tooth and nail has some Supertones have got have yeah Supertones are beginning to get big. I think this is right around the time that uh, uh, um, slowly going the way of the Buffalo is coming out, right? Yeah, and so it's like. Oh, you want to record? Um, I can't remember the name of the producer of this album, but you want to record yeah. with um, whoever that does all these yeah. famous punk albums. You're like, cool, we'll send yeah. you there. Or like Roadside Monument <laughs> or Joe Christmas. You want to go record with Bob Weston? Cool. Like right. all these like actually pretty well known good producers. This is that time period where they're like, all right, do it. And this album, I think, benefits from that so much because, again. They've already got the songs down, but it just sounds so good. Mm-hmm. Like, really, yes. really good. Yes. There's one last epic moment I want to listen to here for this song, which is uh, his delivery of the title line here, So Quick to Add Insult to Injury. So good. I mean, this is the first song. Like, how are they going to top this? They will, but holy shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. And even that clip you just played is a good example of what they do a lot on here is like the the vocals are not just like going over the music, you know, right. like playing along with it. Like they're not afraid to pause. Mm-hmm. Later on, you'll hear him kind of the way he, the rhythm of the vocals will change even mid song mm-hmm. to do different stuff. Like, again, there's a lot of maturity on this that you rarely, if ever, hear on like a first album from this yeah. type of band. Exactly. Yeah. They also sent you a link for that early version. You know, it's it's a little bit faster, um, but it's not it's not dissimilar i think it's they recorded it like literally right before recording this the album you know i think they recorded it with probably within 12 months of recording the album so it's not super different you know mm-hmm. uh, i also found a live version of this but it's after um adding adam and andy had left uh like i said the only thing that i could find to have adam and andy and in is uh is the amarillo footage so. i don't know how you do a lot of these songs with only one guitarist no I mean, you can, well, but it's not going to be the same. No. Well, first off, 
when when um when the guy from Yellow Card came, he brought Dan also. So that they were had two guitarists then. Um and then when he left, Dan stuck around and and Ted, the lead singer, played guitar as well. Okay. Yeah. They he they dropped a few songs from their lineup. Um uh like in one interview, uh uh Ted talked about dropping homecoming from their lineup, uh from their uh from their set list, you know, when it was only a four piece because it was just too many things that he had to do between singing and doing backup vocals on some parts and playing guitar, you know? So things just got a little bit too complicated during that phase, but yeah. Yeah. Should we jump into the lyrics here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Do you want me to, do you want to read them? Um, yeah, I can. Okay. Um, and it's funny. I'll just say this. These hit me a lot differently now than they did when I was younger. Um, Mm -hmm. In a good way. It yes. sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's the opposite on the show, but this is I know. <laughs> much better. So, yeah, I'll read them to you. It says, so now you're offering these hand-me-down beliefs. You offer neither solace nor relief. In a world of hate, your, wor- your words hold no weight. So now you're promising your Disney religion, living in your world without sin, but I just don't relate. Your words hold no weight. So just hold your tongue for a second and spare me your two-bit advice. Did God make me blind and give you my eyes? Just hold your tongue until you can hold my burdens. Your ideas betray your fantasy. Your anecdotes mock reality. Your words hold no weight. All right, there's two more. So before you go and throw your pearls before swine, be warned you won't impress the likes of mine. Because I've heard your debate. Your words hold no weight. So why do they ring in my ear and challenge my confidence? They heckle my pride. My medicine never had this taste. You, my words in your mouth now sound misplaced. Your words hold no weight. So share my pain and bear my wounds with me, or don't pretend to call it sympathy. But you're so quick to mock my misery, so quick to add insult to injury. I mean, fucking epic, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there, again, that I just, there is. as a kid, was like, well, yeah, I don't know, you know, didn't catch it. So. <laughs> as a kid... I, I I like the the lyrics on this song, but they hit me like you said completely different these days. You know, as a kid, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, you old people, you know, and you've kind of given up on trying anything new, so everything's comfortable for you. That's kind of what I felt about you know. But like now, they're just they hit me completely differently. Yeah, but these I think these might be some of the best lyrics we've ever reviewed on our podcast. Whoa, especially when it comes to like. Like talking about religion, so the the song's really defined there in that last verse. Uh, so share my pain and bear my and and blah, I can't do it either. So share my pain and bear my wounds with me, or don't pretend to call it sympathy. But you're so quick to mock my misery, so quick to add insult to injury. So this is obviously about going through like some pain, and that some people or a person i don't know uh are offering kind of like some pat answers uh you know instead of actually stopping to empathize with this person and and kind of feel what they're feeling so for me the the way that this hits me differently today <laughs> is that this reminds me a lot of when i was like first dealing with my anxiety disorder um, and having, you know, kind of an existential crisis about whether or not I was saved because I was such a piece of shit, you know, which is what we're taught in the church is that you're a piece of shit, especially from a lot of the music. Yeah. 
but my dad would take me to talk with these kind of like upstanding, I'm doing air quotes here, these upstanding member, members of men in the church who, you know, offered really great advice, such as, isn't it better just to believe than not to believe? So just believe. Or have you tried praying about this? Oh my God, that one. <laughs> or you need to believe in your heart, not your head. What is that? What does that even mean? Right. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, make of it what you will. But like, for me, I was going through something that was very real. And these people were just like, you know, just got to like, put your head down and get through it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I really, one of the lines I really love, though, is uh, Disney religion. Um. To feel is so true, uh, you know, like I said, that so many of those upstanding men in the church uh, that I talked to, they they never really like encountered struggle in their entire lives. You know, like like if they had ever encountered a real struggle in their life, they could have said something to me that would have made sense, right? But obviously, these people had just walked through life with everything being handed to them or something like that. You know, like they'd never had to like fight for something in their entire lives. I don't know. It was just very. Very hollow. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, so I listened to an interview with Ted and I, I want to get it right. I think it was actually on the magnified pod podcast, um, mm-hmm. fairly recently. And he talked about the song and he said at the time he was like, kind of like you're saying, it's funny kind of being like mentored by some, you know, like you said, upstanding Christian man in his church. And so he's like normal teen guy basically saying like, oh yeah, I messed around with my girlfriend and I feel bad about it. And I I think if I remember it right, something like that guy ended up like basically like telling on him essentially, like, you know, kind of like later to, to, I think the like dad of the girlfriend kind of thing. Because his girlfriend was the pastor's daughter, I think. Yeah, and just like kind of like ratting him out, and and it was so, it was just like, I don't know, he brought up some good points, and first of all, like, do these guys just like get off on like, hearing (laughs) about like, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) You know, um, how kids, you know, uh, mess around and stuff, and then also like, it's just, it's funny, I think we've all if you grew up in the church, you've maybe been in a relationship like that. I don't, I don't mean with the girlfriend, although you probably had that too, but I mean more like <laughs> with the mentors in your church, mm-hmm. um, whether you're male, whether you're female, it's always of the same sex though. Um, right. And I think so many times, yeah, it was not a helpful thing. It was not like he says at the end, share my pain and bear my wounds with me. Right. Um, it was just judgmental, you know, get your life together type of thing. Uh, yeah. Cause, cause in the end, that relationship wasn't about bringing someone closer to God. That relationship was about feeling superior and having power. And, you know, like, like, but that's true. Like, that's not just true for that relationship. That's true for so much of Christianity and like so much of the Christianity that I, that I think the two of us grew up in, you know, in that, you know, there's, there should there should be this massive amount of empathy in Christianity. I mean, it's fucking based on grace, right? 
and and you know Jesus ate with sinners and 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 told people to you know to help the poor and to sell everything they own you know and but 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 it it it's i think i think this is where like the the phrase disney religion really hits because you know what what they've shaped instead is is just a power structure that benefits them that's not groundbreaking or anything you know but it's just this is christianity may have started off as a revolutionary idea but now it's just an embrace of the status quo and how to make the powerful people more powerful you know and and it so it i don't know if it was in that interview jay or if it was in another one that i was listening to on um what was it called uh the rudy librarian which is a, a podcast about books and ska um <laughs> but <laughs> pretty great but uh but but ted brought up that and i actually wrote down his entire quote here i'll just read it he said I read this book, I think before I was even in Craig's brother, it was like fit bodies, fat mind or something like that. The author argues that Christians are called to be in the world, but not of the world. And what we had become was of the world, but not in the world. I think that really, that really hit home to me listening to that because that, that reminds me, I mean, that's just such a concise summation of evangelical Christianity that they have embraced power, you know, um, they're in the world and they've embraced worldly power, but they're not of, they're not, sorry, they're of the world and that they've embraced worldly power, but they're not in the world in that they are, they, they recognize other people's pain, you know, yeah. they, they, they're just like, oh, you're having a hard time because you're poor. Fuck you that you're poor. I'm rich. I want more, you know, that's just evangel evangelicalism these days. And yeah. a lot of it goes back to, you know, what we've talked about before with the, when kind of evangelicalism was, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, uh, uh, uh seamed together with, uh, with capitalism, you know, in the, uh, uh, but yeah. I really like the line and I didn't fully get it, um, until now, but I really like where he says, "Did God make me blind and give you my eyes?" Like, yeah, that is that is a great line. Like, uh, do you know my situation better than I do? Uh, mm -hmm. No, um, it's yeah, yeah, and and you know, I know you highlighted this line. He says, "Your anecdotes mock reality," and God, that's like that was church, <laughs> right? Lots yeah. of little anecdotes mm -hmm. um, that. You would cling to a lot of times, right? But it really wasn't actually reflective of real life, um, right? Nor really that helpful. In fact, a lot of times harmful. You know, like that. Yeah. If you prayed about it, just pray more. Just have more yeah. faith. Uh, I think it was an interview with Ted that I was listening to, or maybe it was some something altogether that I was listening to, but I was talking about how in in their church that their church would like bring people forward to give like you know, testimony witness kind of thing of like hard times that they'd been through and how God had saved them. But it was almost more mocking of the people who had been through it, you know, <laughs> uh, because it was like, all right, come up here and tell everyone what a piece of shit you are and how God rescued you, you know? 
<laughs> you know, and people would be like, you know, I was drunk and I couldn't, I couldn't pay the bills and I was, uh, re you know, rejecting my family. It's like, and God save you from that. Yep, God save me from that. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on? Yeah. Um, let's go to song number two, Going Blind. All right. Uh, I think that this song is musically over like the lyrics to this song kind of take all of the concentration of this song. <laughs> um, but I do want to talk about the music a little bit here and it starts with some, um, kind of clean guitars that might like, it never occurred to me back then when I was listening to it, but when I was listening to it again this time. It really hit me as being a little reminiscent of, of something else going on at the time in punk rock. So that's the intro to this song. And I'll I admit, hope like, you have the time of right, your yes. life. It's very reminiscent of, of, <laughs> of what is that? Is that Good Riddance or whatever? I forget the uh, Green the song. Day song. I don't remember the name yeah. of it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That did not occur to me either until you said it now. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, my high school band also had a song that we kind of introed with a little bit of uh, arpeggiated guitar type stuff. Um. You know, so I can't say much about it, but that I think that's really good though. Like that's pretty beautiful, and it's two guitars kind of once again going back and forth on each, with each other. Really beautiful, um, and maybe you know my my um, my retconning of this is just to imagine that they did that to kind of bring attention to the fact that this is going to be a really like introspective song. I think so. Uh, and on a on a much simpler plane, I also just like how it changes it up. You went from that yeah. really fast song, and now you right, kind of, yeah. like, it's going to get fast down. again, but it slows it right. down. It adds a little bit of, you know, variety to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like I said, the relics really dominate kind of your focus in this song, but musically it does stand out for me in, in the kind of the light touch that the guitars take in this song sometimes, while still feeling kind of full and powerful. And I think this is something that Craig's brother does really well, is, you know, a lot of times their guitars are just, you know, going really fast and all over the place like we already heard but the thing they do really well is this kind of kind of minimalism while still feeling like they're still bringing all that energy kind of all creation made of jealous angels nothing more to me than food for a fantasy and though I know it's a shame I won't turn away my thoughts are so casually let us But I think I think that's really cool there in that it still feels really full, but what they're doing is actually pretty simple. It's just two kind of guitars that are just kind of a little bit after each other, kind of just playing, just playing the, uh, a power chord, you know? And it's kind of a nice minimalism that still feels really, really, really intense and fast. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> we haven't gotten to the lyrics yet, but I feel like <laughs> there's that line of the, you know, the very first time you hear this, Basically, in the first line, you're like, well, what? Like, suddenly it's like, you know, a head, you're just shifting your head all of a sudden because you're like, whoa, 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 like, oh, okay. Especially in like, yeah. honestly, even I would say in any style of punk, this is probably not the normal um, lyrics, but especially in Christian music at the time, you're like, 
yeah, you'd kind of do a double take. <laughs> yeah. So there's a uh, there's a pretty interesting, you know, kind of guitar bridge on this one. So we're going to listen to that bridge, and then we're going to listen to, I really love his kind of delivery here of um, 49er Gold Prospector, Her Body is My Claim. And the end of the song, by the way, just kind of cuts off like it like it goes up like the the vocals go to go up to the last second here. All right. So like I said, this is all about the oh, there is an early version of the song, by the way, from their very first demo in 1995. So this is an old song for them already at this point. It's it is different. It's not near as complex in that original version. Um, and of course, the recording is pretty. It's not horrible, but it's it's pretty hollow, I think. <laughs> On a beach in Maui, the breasts are half uncovered. I try to stop myself from staring at her, but I'm drawn like that would to sleep. Lawn may be mowing, but still I can't breathe in my thoughts from becoming obscene. So I justify it's only a page in a magazine. All right, lyrics. Do we want to just read these again? Um, yeah, I don't even know if we have to read them all, but I definitely think we should do that first line because, like I said, you're just listening to this and like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> all right, go ahead. I read the first verse. Yeah. So the again, imagine you're rocking along, great punk, and this is what you hear. He says she's on a <laughs> beach in Maui. Her breasts are half uncovered, and that's that part where you're like, wait, what? what? Um, I try to stop myself from staring at her, but. Uh, and this is clever because it could go either way. It is. I'm drawn like Dagwood to sleep. The lawn may need mowing, but still I can't prevent my thoughts from becoming obscene. So I justify she's only a page in a magazine. Um, and then this gets repeated a lot, but it says she's not real. She doesn't feel eyes pierce her scraps of cloth. Her value is lost. Yeah, I do. It's, you know, the, the butt is clever there because it could be, I mean, it's written out as with two T's, so staring at her butt. And of course, for all you youngins, Dagwood was a comic strip um, from, I don't know, the 30s. I don't know. But uh, about bl- a guy who liked to eat large sandwiches and sleep. It's from Blondie, right? Wasn't that the name of the, and Dagwood was one of the people on it, I think? Is that how it was? I don't know. All don't of those know. things kind of like sprung off of each other back then. Yeah, uh, I don't know why they're referencing like old cartoons like that in this, but um, you know, <laughs> there's another there's another uh, lyric in this. Uh, uh, the last line: "Her body breaks my mind leash, like my mind's leash, like Gus broke his chain." I can't figure out what Gus broke his chain is because if you if you search Gus and chain, you're only gonna get Breaking Bad references. Yeah, yeah, I looked for that too, and I had to omit Fring because, yeah, it's it's going to bring up Breaking Bad, and I still couldn't find it either. Yeah, uh, and I want to say, isn't this song sometimes called Gus? 
can yeah it was a... called gus on their original um that's yeah. right okay yeah on the on, that's what it was when it was re-released it was called uh uh whatever it's called here going uh, blind sorry. going blind but yes yeah, so it's called gus originally yeah yeah because isn't it like uh wouldn't that the thing if you masturbate too much you go blind or something Yes, That's exactly. One of those things? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is really kind of the only real reference to masturbation here is the title itself. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting, you know, <laughs> we talk about masturbation a lot on this podcast. No, um, but we <laughs> it seems to get brought up a lot at that at that time period because that was the thing as a Christian teenage male you always felt yeah. guilty about. Um, and it would get hinted at in certain songs. And this is like a pretty clever I don't even know if this song is really about that. I think it kind of was because they kind of talk about it in some of the interviews, right. but like it's a very clever way to go about it. Yeah. I don't know where to start talking about this. I, 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 so first off, this song got this album taken out of Christian bookstores. Which you just heard the first verse. Uh, right. The other one is a lot like it. Like, uh, how... Uh, is it because yeah. it says breast? I mean, I, like... I guess so. Like, in butt, you know? Like, yeah. uh, there's no, like... Okay, well, I'm just going to read the rest of it. Crown of all creation, bane of jealous angels. She's nothing more to me than food for a fantasy. And though I know it's a shame, I won't turn away. My thoughts are so casually led astray. And I know it's not right. It feels so unclean. But she's just a page of a magazine. She's not real. She doesn't feel. Her eyes pierce her scraps of cloth. Her value is lost. Last one. 49er, gold prospector. Her body is my claim. Which I think is really... I really love that line as yeah. far as like the male gaze kind of thing, you know, we'll come back to it. Um, as she, as, as she assumes some cheesy pose, imagination sees no clothes. And I don't even know her name. Her body breaks my mind's leash. Like Gus broke his chains. So yeah, like there's nothing like it was taken out for being too graphic, but what the fuck is too graphic in there? Yeah. Nothing. Like, and it was actually originally, it was actually, eventually returned to Christian stores. I didn't know this was going on back in the day, by the way. Did you? No, no, I did not either. Yeah. Cause I bought the album when it came out and then I guess I just never, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if it was taken out of my bookstore or not, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I just, I can't imagine. It breaks my brain thinking like, if this is too graphic, then what the fuck is the point of Christianity? Is it just to be fucking Puritans? Um, a lot of times. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just to button up your collar and be some stuffy ass, horrible people. Like this, like if you can't talk about this shit, there's no fucking point to Christianity. I mean, this is a song about not objectifying women. <laughs> Which I love, by the way. So that's my other take on this song is that I, because... This isn't a song about not lusting. This is a song about not objectifying women, and it's fucking great. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, so we heard so much about not lusting over women. No one ever told us that we shouldn't objectify women, because you, of course, should objectify women in the, in, the, in the Christian perspective, you know? But I fucking love the, like, this hits me a lot harder today than it ever hit me back then, I think, just because it's, 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 it's just such great lyrics in that, you know, I don't know how to say this, that, that kind of, there's so much of that 
hey, it's your fault. You're a piece of shit. You're 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 lusting over her. But no one ever talked about how objectifying women does harm to women and to men, right? And definitely no one ever talked about the male gaze. You know, when 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 I was young, at least not in my circles. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning again and repeating what you just said, like all kinds of things about don't lust. We learn that all the time, but we never mm-hmm. learn anything about don't objectify women. And that's like, like yeah. Uh, it's just fucked up in so many ways. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, if you get the think back to the purity culture, it was all about, hey, guys, don't lust after women because there's going to be someone that God wants you to objectify later on, you know? <laughs> and hey, women, if you don't want to be objectified, cover the fuck up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because it's their fault. Like, men are helpless. And women are the only people who can stop us from being the animals that we are, you know. And yeah, and 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 the male gaze is a whole whole separate concept that just has is is I can't imagine being a woman, you know. <laughs> like like I I was just joking around with with my wife the other day, and I asked because we were talking about how like the nine like nineties fashion is is in right now, you know. Yeah. And I asked her if we were ever going to see like baggy pants again, like the, those truly baggy, like baggy the pants, Jinko, you know, the like massive, right. huge ones. Yeah. Exactly. And and she said to me, no, I don't think so, because we decided that we want to see women's butts. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's true, though. Like, like, just look around, like, go, go shopping. And you're like, oh, OK, that is true. Like, we're not going to get baggy pants back because the male gaze has to be served. You know, like, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely a song I appreciated more now. I mean, yeah. at the time I got it, and and some of those lines I remember stuck out to me a little bit. But it, mm-hmm. it just thinking back on that entire purity culture now and the way things get got so twisted. Um, this is really refreshing that yeah, it this is. was out there. Um, because it's yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. It's. It, it's not about not lusting, which is just like, it's going to happen. <laughs> like, sure. Your teenage kids. Right. Like, that, that's, you're not going to change that. So fighting nope. against that is ridiculous, <laughs> even though that's what they did. <laughs> but not objectifying, that is very changeable. Um, yes. And so. that's something you can actually teach someone to do, is not to do, is objectify, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. And we haven't, well, I guess the part that's really depressing for me about this is that we haven't won that war, you know? that. Like I said, that line 49er gold prospector, her body is my claim. Like it's something I own. Like I've, I've seen you and now I own that image. Right. And I can do whatever I want to with it. And I can tell you about it. Like I'm, I'm a member of, uh, uh, I'm in this Facebook group called on today's episode of men cock blocking themselves, which is mostly about mostly women posting interactions they have on dating websites. (laughs) And it's, absolutely terrifying like i could i couldn't imagine being a woman like it's it's literally guys will send messages like hey saw your pictures you're one fat you know you're one fat juicy bitch i really want to get up in that you know like holy fuck man like (laughs) what the hell (laughs) like and these guys think they're hidden these guys are like i'm really on today like i'm this is gonna give me a response (laughs) you know like i don't know like it's just 
<sighs> I always like sim. This is similar. Um, if you've ever seen a guy like cat call a woman, you know, like yeah. even just like on the street and they drive by and they yell something out, and I, I've just like, I've even asked my wife. I was like, has that ever worked? Like, why the <laughs> fuck do people do that? <laughs> well, like, catcalling is definitely not about it working. Catcalling is definitely a power dynamic thing, I think. It's just... Catcalling is... It's the most bizarre thing. It is. You, know, you look like an idiot. They're not yes. impressed. Like, nope. I don't... I, I Yeah, I just... I don't understand. I, I, I think catcalling is just about reminding women that that men can say horrible things and that they should be afraid of those men and that they definitely can't respond to it. You know, they definitely can't, if, if, if they stand up for themselves, that that man can hurt you. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. The the other thing that I was thinking of as you were talking about this, and this was probably more of a trend, like seven, eight years ago, um, is, do you remember, and you'd see this on Facebook a lot, um, especially with like youth pastors, or or a regular pastor. I mean, let's say anybody <laughs> like that. They would always post stuff about their smoking hot wife. Oh like my god! Like they would say that. You remember? Like, oh my yes. god! Talk about just objectifying your own wife. Mm-hmm. I just oh, this this stuff is so baked in. Yeah, some real Jerry Falwell Jr. shit there. But like that was that was my youth group too. Like my youth pastor. Would like when we when it was just like the guy's Bible study, he would literally talk about like you guys are gonna be so happy when you finally get a wife who's just smoking fucking hot, man. You know, and then you can just you know, he he was really way too graphic. Yeah, well, because it's that purity culture thing of like you're not gonna have sex till you're married, and so and I think mm-hmm. in some ways it almost makes you look at like your partner as like this this object to fulfill all your sexual needs and desires right because you haven't been able to get it fulfilled any other way um until then and so Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i'm just struck by yeah your your point you made earlier is kind of hitting me hard because i hadn't thought of it in that way but about like again i'm going to repeat it again but you know we weren't taught to not object by women we were just taught not to lust um and it's yeah yeah wanting something that is someone else's is the sin turning another person into an object that you want to sex is not the sin right yeah yeah and but when we had it so bad we're not even where you're wanting something that's someone else's we had it so bad that it's just a point of like oh god i'm horny that's bad like that that kind of even got to that point which really will fuck you up in a lot of ways (laughs) like i mean that's like you know just some kind of like Skinner box or some kind of bullshit like psychological <laughs> response. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. But so, but like yeah, you you, you got it to where you just feel bad about like normal natural human urges, right. but again, nothing about objectifying other people. Right. Cool. No, I, th- I think I told you that story about the uh, camp counselor I had the one time that, that that told us all that he masturbated over a thick juicy steak. You know, in his mind, like he thought about a thick juicy what steak. Fuck? I guess I don't know. Yeah. And that's how he kept his masturbation clean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I do remember that people be saying like all this, it's just complete bullshit, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, I, you know, I'm not that way. I'm not lusting after anyone. So it's okay. And it's like, okay. All right, dude. Yeah, sure. You masturbated over a steak. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And if you did, let's, let's for a moment, let's grant that as true. That's more fucked up. <laughs> like you're going to be in therapy. Like, right. I don't know. That's not healthy either. I don't, I just want to understand where this yeah. is coming from. And I'm definitely not going out to eat with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. I, I just, I want to say I really like the song lyrically because again, while it brings up so much of that stuff that I'd prefer to forget of purity culture mm-hmm. at that time period, it's like, does it from a completely different perspective, which you're not seeing, I don't think, anywhere else. Um, Where else? Like, who who else wrote a song that was about not objectifying women? Who else talked to... about not objectifying right. women? Yeah. <laughs> not my church. Right. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Should we move on? Yeah. So we're going to skip three and go to four, Homecoming. All right. By the way, I've been not mentioning who these songs are by because all the kind of all the songs are written by certain people. Uh, the first song, um, "Insult to Injury," is written by Ted. Uh, the song we just covered, uh, "Going Blind," is actually the music is by Andy. It's kind of I think it's the only song that's listed as a collaboration in all of this. The music is written by Andy, and the words are by Ted. And then uh, this song is going to be uh, "Homecoming" is by Andy. <clears throat> so. This has kind of this, I use the word, I, I know I should probably do a search and find and find on my notes because I think I use the word epic too many times. Uh, but this has an epic opening and it's just, it has these really cutting guitars that is, and it's musically like this, like this punk throwback to early rock and roll, like Chuck Berry style rock and roll, but, but in a pure Craig's Brothers way, right? Like it's, there's no genre respect in this. There's no punk ability, right? Punk ability. Like it's just. It is just kind of early rock and roll style, but Craig's brother's doing it. I really love kind of just the it's just downstroke guitar, right? And and the kind of that walking bass line behind it. It's so simple. Yeah, this is I was just thinking this is an album I really did not think about the bass much. Um right. but right there that really works. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's kinda of, it's kind of necessary for the style, I think. But yeah, you're right. Other than that, the bass isn't doesn't hugely stand out on this album. And when I did go back and like isolate it, it's it's doing some nice things, but not like super complicated. It's not as complicated as in the guitars, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I really like just kind of that nothing but down strokes kind of on the guitars with some, uh, with the walking bass line. Once again, yeah, that's one of those great kind of vocal moments where they just take on this kind of different rhythm, you know, (laughs) and it's, 
Yeah, and yeah. background vocals, which we haven't really talked about, yeah. but those are like they're key parts and key songs, and they they add quite a bit to it. It's really nice. It's not overdone, but they yeah. are throughout this album. And it's weird, like there's a very Craig's brother background vocal thing going on like the the way they do the harmonics i think are more in like minor minor keys you know where i think like you know here we've heard harmonics and mxpx we've heard harmonics and like goody hook has really good harmonics but this is like there's just something a little bit darker to craig's brother backing vocal with harmonics i think i don't know it's 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 pretty interesting here's another moment where uh the vocal on this, this is the part of the song where you kind of get that clean, like snappy guitar and uh, Ted is uh, singing over it and he, his voice kind of breaks here. And then we're going to listen to all the way through. I think there's like a, a really like gut wrenching scream here at the, at, the, at the end of this clip. Let's listen. Such great songwriting. I think so, that is maybe one of the first bridges we could talk about. That was a nice yeah. bridge right there. It's a great bridge. So, you know, we can maybe add that to the competition. All right. So that's going to be our first uh, bridge for the competition here. I'm going to highlight it in my notes. <laughs> maybe make it a little different color here. All right. I love, the, I love that scream, that ah in the background yeah. that ends the bridge there, though. It's just ugh, all of that. All of it together, and the, and the the way his voice cracks on the "Here I am on my own." I don't know. I can't do it, but <laughs> so good. All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we go to lyrics? No. Okay. You know, I didn't have a lot to say about this song. I think it's about kind of um. Well, it's kind of about this like kind of piece of shit who leaves when things get hard and then comes back. <laughs> And and looking ahead, if you kind of go look at all of Andy's songs, they're kind of all about pieces of shit. I don't know what's going on, Andy, but like, hopefully you found someone to talk to, and hopefully you're doing okay. But obviously, you had some not great role models in your life around this time. I kind of thought this might be a little bit of like a prodigal son type thing. Yeah. Um, and just like. I don't know. Maybe I was trying to make it too Christian, but just the idea of like, I think that like, I'm just incomplete without you. Like I took that to Mm. kind of be God and like, you know, I keep walking away. I'm lonely. I'm not doing well. I keep coming back and then I keep walking away again. Kind of thing. You're obviously right. Looking at these lyrics now, how did I not see that? Okay. (laughs) God damn it. Well, this this might be the first time Jay got the lyrics and Clifton didn't, so I want everyone <laughs> to remember this moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, let's look, let's look, this verse here. Undo the bondage of faith that ties, unsevered connections just holding too tight, end pretending thoughts, stop sending surface his new home. I don't know what that means. Um, won't think too long, he's incomplete without you. In, in parentheses here, 
staring over the shoulder to sin. You know, this is someone who's, uh, he's come back at this point, but he's like, I don't know, that sin still looks pretty good. I guess you're right, yeah. Hmm. I just thought it was about, like, a relationship between a guy and a woman where the guy keeps leaving, and then he comes back because he's a piece of shit, and the woman keeps taking him back. Especially I mean, with the, uh, 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 I've left you again, now I'm back to amend, no word that I say will be true. That's, that line is especially what, uh, what got me reading through it this time. Yeah. Although I will say that when I was a kid, I think the only words that I knew of this song were, I'm fine on my own except for I'm all alone, I'm just incomplete without you. Yeah. It's pretty strong. Me too. There were certain parts I just like had no idea yeah. what they were saying. Um, Not Craig's Brothers' fault, because they... The packaging is really great, and the lyrics are pretty clear in the packaging. Yeah, just didn't bother <laughs> to look. Just, yeah, for this one. I, 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 I remember reading other songs in the packaging. I do not remember reading this song in the packaging for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't know that there's a lot else to say about it. It's a pretty simple song, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not like one of my favorites, but it's not terrible, and I like the change of pace. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I love the fast songs, it's nice to have a little variety on this album. Wait, do you think this one's slow? Uh, n- slower than like insult to injury. Let's look something here. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna look at something here real fast, Jay. So the first song is 108 beats per minute, according according to Moises here. Going blind is Moises is the app he's using. Everyone, yes. <laughs> Also 108? Hmm. If this one's 100. Okay, no, this one's 124. So this one's actually faster, technically, than the... Uh, what? Hmm. Yeah. It feels slow because as the, the, the guitars are going so fast and they're not doing a bunch of extra stuff this time that it just kind of feels slow. No, this is definitely slower. May, I, okay, I'm thinking mostly drums. Like, come on. It's not like da 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 Oh, definitely the drums are slower in this one, yeah. Okay. I'm just saying beats, bump, bump, Yeah, because the drums in this are dun, 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 where the other ones are like Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a change of pace. Okay, I'll give it to you. That is a change of pace. That's correct. All right. Got to find my place again. All right, we're skipping nobody, but we're going to listen to the uh, bridge yeah. in this because I, th- I think that it's going to be one of our contenders. I was not going to let Clifton completely skip nobody song number five because the bridge is so great. I, and I, it wasn't going to be my number one pick, but I think it is now. Just because as I was listening to this album preparing for this, that was the part that stuck in my head more than any other part on the entire album really? was the bridge on this. And maybe back up like slightly before that 240 mark just so they can like okay. hear a little bit of the other part of the song and as it goes okay. into that
Okay. Now I think that part's great. I love when he says harmony that they're actually like harmonizing. I love <laughs> that he kind of gets pretty screamy at one point. It kind of peaks. It's like the, the song peaks right there. And yeah. then after that, when he comes down, when the drums kick back in, it's like straight, like lots of symbols for a second. Like, <laughs> it, I don't know. I just really like it. I feel like it just kind of hits a real high point at that. So that's my top bridge. I think everybody. I think it's good. I think the reason it didn't click with me is because I didn't see it as a bridge because it wasn't like self-contained and it went all the way through the end of the song. But I think that's fine. I mean, it's still a bridge, yeah. right? I mean, it I think no, you're right. You're okay. right. Yes. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying that in my, when I was thinking about this beforehand, I was imagining bridges being self-contained and ending before the end of the song. Yeah. Okay. So that is our, our, uh, one of our contenders there for best bridge on the album. Moving on to uh, track seven, Who Am I? I think this was probably my favorite song on the album back in the day. But it, we do have some uh, great Craig's Brother uh, kind of features coming together in this song, I think. Um, the first one I want to hit on here is the first part of the verse uh, kind of, it does that kind of minimalism thing again, I think. Um, where we have kind of uh, these driving drums, but but kind of kind of minimalistic guitars uh, and great backing vocals, and then kind of halfway through the verse we get it, it uh, we get a pick drag, which pick drag just don't happen that much on this album for as much energy building as they do. They you, you usually rely on other techniques to do it. That's pretty nice, and then kind of picks up a little bit going to the second part of the verse with some really good lead guitar. goes into the chorus there and it's kind of non-distinguishable but anyway i want to stop it there one thing you know the other thing we've talked about jay is kind of how his vocals kind of he's really good at customizing his vocals for the moment right they can mm -hmm. be either fast or slow or long drawn out i think this is kind of one of the best kind of drawn out things that we get with his who with the with the who am i thing here it 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 almost reminded me a little bit of kind of the use of steel guitar on a uh, on a country album or a country song. You know, the, it's just kind of this, it's almost a whale, I think, is what, is what I want to say about it. Bridge. This is going to be another contender. Still searching. Who am I? Some answers don't ever find. 
That one's that one. That bridge is shorter, but I love that guitar there. Kind of the palm muted, um, really quick. Uh, I don't know what to call it there. Lead guitar. Yeah. And I, it, it's another good example of where he changes up kind of the rhythm of his vocals, like where he's mm-hmm. like still searching. Who went? You know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that kind of bouncy vocal there. Yes. Very good. That's I think when the bridges get at their best is when you kind of when you get an interesting guitar part going, and he he breaks into that kind of just just his his vocals take on a completely different um, rhythm than than the rest of the song has to, to up to that point. Yeah. Yeah. So we dive into the lyrics here. Sure, and I feel like this is a song lyrically that like I don't know I think I could relate to back in the time period. Yes. You know? Yes. So I. This one was definitely in my life during a hard time. So like when my girlfriend broke up with me right after, uh, right at the end of senior year, kind of right early into the summer of senior year, after senior year, you know, Um, definitely listened to this song a lot, kind of the who am I thing, you know, because it wasn't just that. It was like, you know, we broke up. I knew I was leaving town kind of thing, you know, and it was definitely like a, this was almost like a this kind of served as both a self-pity song for me but also like a time to move on and do something different song does that make sense yeah 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 all right i'm gonna read the vocals or the vocals i'm gonna read the lyrics here Uh, lying idle in my room oh wait did i say who wrote this song um this is adam all right uh lying idle in my room telling my thoughts to the moon why do i always feel so unimportant to other egos, my mind clings, and inside these voices ring that I'm just a carbon copy of everyone else. And now I'm searching out my own identity, something down inside of me that I'm blah blah something something down inside telling me that I'm like no one else but me. But as of yet, I still don't know who is this guy that I am, and for his life, what does he have to show? Who am I? What am I for? I wait for answers from the sky, the only audience. I find, but no comfort finds my ears, just silence mocking. And I know I was created, but I just can't figure out why. And now I'm searching out my own identity, something down inside telling me that I'm like no one else but me. But but as of yet, I still don't know who is this guy that I am, and for his life, what does he have to show? Who am I? What am I for? Still searching, who am I? Some answers I don't ever find. I just want to know I have a place. Come from and return come from and return to dust, but I don't want to feel that useless. I want to see something in me that is unique. I just want to know who am I? What am I for? Okay. The I, I will say the funny thing here first is that in that last uh, bit, the part that says, uh, I just don't want to feel that useless, he kind of screams, I just don't want to feel that useless. I always thought it was, I don't want to be like Jesus. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> yeah. But then I looked it up, you know, back in the day. What do you think, Jay? So I was, I was having the thought as you were reading it, I thought, how much of this is a product of growing up in the church like how uh-huh. much of this is forced on you because of all the bullshit you're being taught about god's greater purpose and blah mm-hmm. blah but then i then i was trying to be fair and thinking like well, maybe every teenager feels this way to a certain extent um yes you know but i think that like 
that who am I is fine, but that what am I for mm-hmm. is the part where it's like you have to have some greater purpose, which is pretty yeah. anxiety inducing. Yes. Always, but especially when you're 16, 17, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That that was my big takeaway coming back to this. Like I said, in the day, I kind of felt like this was a, you know, I kind of, this was kind of like a, yeah, I'm going to go out there and find out who I am and what I'm for kind of thing, you know? Um, but listening to it again, I, it felt like this heavy burden, not the who, like I said, the who am I thing, I think is fine, but it's the, what am I for question that I have a problem with. Um, and I think when you start with the, let me, let me, let me go back and read the line here. I know I was created, but I just can't figure out why. When you start with the assumption of creation, you have to assume that there's a four, right? Why? Like for what? What was I created for? Mm. That's a really and good so point. And so that, I think, you know, I think that that assumption is, first off, it's a bad assumption. It's just from coming from me, you know? <laughs> um, especially in a world that doesn't have an answer for you because you've made a bad assumption that you're, part of your premise is wrong. So you're asking the wrong question, right? I think the proper question here is, what am I going to do and what am I going to be? I think those are answers. Those are questions that we as a, as intellectual beings are capable of answering and deciding on but screaming into the void who am i what am i for that's rough and that only comes from the assumption of creation yeah good point i'll tell you you know when i gave up on my faith my life got a lot better as far as those kind of questions go because instead of saying instead of kind of sitting around not really sitting around but you get you know yeah my, my gist here you know waiting to be for something i was able to go oh no i'm just gonna take charge of my life and and do the things that i think are right you know? yeah and do the things that i think is gonna make the world a better place and all that kind of stuff right yeah yeah, yeah not feel like you have to please some you know cosmic being exactly yeah all right anything else on this song no i think i'm good all right Now we're going to hit a bridge that I'm going to insert here without the rest of the song, which is uh, track eight, Sorry. Another way fought and anger fed again. Another day lost, we felt more innocent. Some other past time, we found some way to see the others. While there's no one to forgive others' mistakes, we had no time to let you in. Anyways, I think that's the best song, the the best uh, uh, bridge on the album. Personally, I think there's other good contenders for it, but I think that's the best. It is a good one. I agree with you. It's got some nice background vocals, and he's it's almost like he's not rapping, but like no, but just spitting those lyrics. Right? I mean, it's fast, and then and then it's two different. Like it's fast, 
and catchy, but it's also two different ways of saying it, right? Like he comes out with one vocal and then he has a different rhythm on, on the second time through. It's so great. Yeah. No, it's a good one. Again, yeah. not my favorite, but a good one. Is yeah. that the third bridge we're on now? Let me count. One, two, three, four. That's oh. our fourth, fourth contender. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I know we have at least one more. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big one. That, that probably, probably the one that everyone's going to vote for. Yeah. All right. Because <laughs> right, you're all Sinek. lame and predictable. Um, well, shall we go to the next song? Yeah. So I put Dear Charlotte on my list, even though in the end I didn't have much to say about it. I just... It's just this really good kind of like heads down rock and roll song, I think. That's, yeah, that's with like, all... I mean, we'll get to lyrics in a second, but like fairly like complex lyrics, like some yeah. just like they, they're not using like, okay, this is maybe doesn't, this is not like Jatender Paul vocabulary, but this is also not <laughs> just like elementary school stuff. Like they, they, no, they're yeah. using like decently big words in a lot of these songs and conveying like big ideas and. Um, and, and it doesn't seem, you know, sometimes when you read lyrics that have big words, you, you're like, okay, they used a thesaurus there. But I don't think so. Like, this is, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it just, this just comes out like this, is what yeah. it seems like to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There's one part here that I do want to listen to. So this song is the one that got dropped out of the uh, the rotation when when Ted had to take on doing guitars because playing that guitar and doing the lie 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 and all that together and the ah everything together was was too much for him. Uh, it um like that's kind of the fullest sounding background vocals I think on the entire album mm-hmm. that like because those are like those are screaming background vocals like a lot of them are actually pretty nuanced but those ones are just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you want to dive, in, dive into the lo- vote? Blah blah. You want to dive into the lyrics here? Yeah, I don't know if I want to read them all because it's a lot, um, <laughs> and it's also just turns? like pretty like wordy. It is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Where, where do we start? How about I'll read the first verse, and then you read the second verse, and then I'll read the third verse. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Memory conveys that you are something to be, because <laughs> it's so wordy. I know. Memory conveys that you are something to be when you weren't held captive in an aged body, is how he says it. Um, an aged body. You had a family that needed you and job security. You had everything a man could ever need. But where did your children go? Where is your family? Did they turn out into? They, did they turn into the adults that you always hoped they'd be? Did you did you finally retire from that job that tortured you? I thought all your dreams had come true. So why are you depressed when your life is at its best? Is it really cuz it's not what it's what it seems? Are you unable to see that you should be happy cuz you're still living in yesterday's dreams? Okay, he says your eldest son reminds you of the way life used to be when you didn't bear the chains of matrimony. You had no job that you hated, no responsibility. You were youthful and careless and free. And the woman you wed, she seemed better in bed when there wasn't a ring on her finger. Yes, your life seemed all right when you partied all night. Those days are gone. Does the flavor still linger? Don't tell me life would be great if you were reprobate and had friends who were losers and fiends. 
you've a family, a wife, and a meaningful life, but you're still holding on to yesterday's dreams. Loneliness reduces you to disharmony. Your life seems so hopeless and melancholy. You're still young, but you can't find the strength to move on now that the woman who loved you is gone. (laughs) You find that she wasn't so close when you needed her most. Is it hard facing up to rejection? You might understand that she needed a man, but you're still seeking maternal protection. Don't give up. You're still young. Your life's just begun. At every corner, opportunity screams. Sometimes life is abrupt, but it's time to grow up and stop clinging to yesterday's dreams. I just want to point out that this song is only two minutes and 23 seconds long, and you heard all those (laughs) words. That's a lot packed into a short song. Yeah, Yeah. it's a short song on the album. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Where to start here? I I think, so first off, I want to note this uh, line here that says, don't tell me life would be great if you were reprobate. I think he's using a Calvinist definition of reprobate here, which is to be of the unelect. Really? You don't think he's just meaning like... Because he's using it as a, as, as a noun. Well, maybe he means a reprobate. I mean, he just, you know, couldn't fit it in. Okay. Maybe. Okay, but, but we'll go Calvinist. Either way. Why not? Either way. All right. Um, but anyway, some, some lines that stand out to me um, is... Are you unable to see that you should be happy? I also like the line, uh, loneliness reduces you to disharmony. So, back in the day, I fucking loved this song. I thought it was great, and, you know, really telling those adults what's, what's up. Um, <laughs> um, looking back on it now, though, I think I have a different, different reaction to it. I think that... When I when I when I sat down to write about these lyrics, I was having a really hard time because I'm like, "Fuck you," um, not completely because like there's some definitely some childish stuff in this song that does deserve to be ridiculed, you know. But I I think that like like in the first verse, you know, we we really get into. Um, uh, did you finally retire from that job that tortured you? I thought all your dreams had come true. So why are you depressed when your life is at its best? Is it really because it's not what it seems? Are you unable to see that you should be happy because you're still holding on to yesterday's dreams? So my first thought there is like, if you had a job that tortured you and you just hung on to it because like, it was the right thing to do for your family, like, that sucks and you rightfully deserve to be pissed off about that, I think. Mm. You know, like... Capitalism is a fucking disaster for human beings, and everyone has the right to revolt because of that. First thought from this song. Yeah? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, I'm curious for what the second thought is. (laughs) Number two. Kind of with that same thing, but a little bit also with, uh, um, you know, moving on to the kind of the loneliness reduces you to disharmony. Your life seems so hopeless and melancholy. Um, but also kind of up here still with that, are you enabled to see that you should be happy? You know, that, and I feel like this uh, coming from my perspective, because I've chosen a life that's not the same, that like not the life that most people would choose in the sense, like I don't have kids, right? You don't have kids, Jay. You know, a lot of people are like, well, that's the only meaning there is in life. But my point is that if you ended up in that life because everyone around you told you that that was the proper life, you don't owe it to people to be happy in a life just because other people 
think it's how life is supposed to be. And I say that because, you know, living in a, 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 a big city like I do, like people have, have all kinds of choices, but in most, most people live in small communities and they live up to the expectations of those communities, you know, and they do the things that those communities expect them to do, which is, and my point is that if you live that life, cause that's what your community expects you to do, you don't owe it to those people to be happy in that life. If they chose that life for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. Anyways. I was, this is not nearly as deep as your thoughts. So, me, but I was, <laughs> I was more just struck by like, how old are these guys? I was like, Ted is at the oldest at this time, 2021 20, at the 22, 23, probably you think. Okay. Yeah. He graduated in 95 from high school. Well, the, but this is uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm still 97, like, 98 here. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe only 2021. 20, I don't know. Either way, quite a bit yeah. of perspective for somebody that's not that old. Yeah. And again, I'm not sure I completely agree with his take, obviously, on all this, but I definitely <laughs> was not even thinking about older adults <laughs> this way at all at this time period. You know, yeah, but y'all probably, probably weren't dealing with like super unhappy older adults, you know? Like, That's a good point. Probably, yeah. But this is a perspective that uh, seems, I don't know if I want to say, ma- I don't think mature is the right word, but it's an interesting perspective from somebody so young. I agree. And this was on an earlier version too, right? Wasn't this on um, one of their... Let me... I feel like it was on one of their earlier releases. Yeah, so this... Yeah, this was on Keeping It Real, which is just right before this album came out. Okay, yeah. I thought this was like not the first time they did this song. Yeah, pretty, you know, a pretty... uh, um mature perspective probably for the time but like i said i don't think I, I think it still comes from a kind of a small community mindset in that like i said i don't think you owe it to anyone to be happy in a life that's just expected of you yeah uh next is my annie which we're not gonna cover because screw it no i'm joking we're not gonna cover it though <laughs> um i do i just don't I, think I did always, though, really like the bridge, so we're going to yeah, play that. We're going to enter the bridge here into the contest. I will say this song, though, is very much like kind of the, the love song on the album. And definitely yes. Jay back in the day was like, you know, oh, like. Def- I love this song. Yeah, definitely yes. like the whole like looking for a Christian woman type of thing. Like yes. this kind of thing. But I still think the bridge is good. Also, the song is sung by um, Adam. Yes. And Ted just does part of the vocals on this. So. It's like a rainbow in my mind Like when the daylight starts to another song that you kind of hit that peak kind of gets like mm-hmm. soaring right during the chorus or during the bridge which i really like yeah again i 
this used to be my favorite. I think going back now, the nobody one is my favorite, but uh, yeah. still good. It's a great bridge. I think it's probably going to win the contest because people are predictable, and it is good. I just think there's better. Yeah, so, well, I'm with you too, so we'll see. Yeah, all right. Let's move on. We're going to skip uh, the next song, which I think is maybe the only bad song on the album. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. It was probably yeah. the the weakest one. It's the weakest song on the album. It's not a bad song. Like it's it's to someone's taste. It's not to my taste. Right. How about that? Yeah. Right. All right, we'll do the last song here, track 12, Potential. I uh I like the way this song starts. Um yeah. and I think it it it's fitting for the last song on the album. Right. It's I just, mean, it's yeah. the perfect final song, right? Yeah, it's done really well. Yeah. Cuz so it starts off with this kind of like lo-fi kind of chugging guitars and vocals. Um which listening to it, I think everyone will agree it's probably done in post, not done like recorded that way and not meant to be that way it's just kind of something done in post but it's a great effect i think it sounds like almost like it's maybe being played through a phone or something like yeah, that yeah but like, you can you can just do that by like taking out the highs and lows and something well, it, make, yeah. it makes for a better story clifton if they played it, it does. Through a phone, but all right whatever <laughs> all right but when the guitars come in they're they're kind of warm and full uh we get some great backing vocals uh yeah, so let, let's, uh, what do we want to listen to here? Can I th- we, can I we think... play that first part and when it leads part, into yeah. the, the rest of the song? The shadows that you cast are tall On the wall of possibility Go closer to infinity With every word that goes unsaid You can probably build your house on Great guitars. Great guitars. Yeah. yeah, and again, that just, it fits. It, that would not work for the first song. It just fits well at the end of the album. Yeah. I, I want to skip to uh, the part where he screams, Hey, Mr. World at your feet, because I think it's a great line for Yeah, I stuff. like that one too. Um, and, but also like the music after it. <laughs> hey, Mr. World at your feet. Did you find the exact defeat? Once you bark more than your bite. When you wake up from your dream. Let me get this toilet flush. Maybe then you'll see the light. Go! want to consider this upcoming part as another bridge i mean i was gonna think the guitar part was the bridge but the part we just listened to with the yeah, flushing toilet i mean i kind of took that as the bridge what i don't know it, pr- it probably is but i also like this kind of fading out bridge here Let, let's let's go you could be the best forever was
It's a great, like, last yeah. part two. We could throw that in, too. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I love those layered vocals, though. They're just, they're they're so beautiful, I think. And there's also just, I don't know why, there's something familiar in them, especially in the the afraid, like, are you still afraid? That reminds me of something. I don't know what it is, but like literally every time I listen to it, it's like a memory is trying to come up and it, it can't get all the way out. Does that make sense? It's just driving me crazy, though. It makes sense. It's interesting. I wonder what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways. And I usually hate fade outs, but that's pretty great fade out. Yeah, it I'll, works really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Lyrics for this one. I mean, again, this is a song that I'm like, Ted has a lot. Is this, is this Ted? Yeah. He's got yeah. a lot of perspective that again, mm-hmm. a normally like a 20, 21 year old, 22 would not have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, and I love, I fucking love this song when I was a kid. Cause I felt like it was really challenging all those fucking assholes who had everything handed to them in high school, you know? Mm, right. And just, Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's a song about, uh, I, th- I think the, the lines, um, potential shines so bright when never dared kind of, kind of sums up this entire song. Yeah. I don't know. I love that part at the end though. It's, you know, break those chains and take the world. It's yours to claim. Or are you still afraid to take some value from those impotent dilapidated aspirations? Yeah. <laughs> Such good lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good in a nice way to close it out. Well, Jay, overall thoughts, uh, 25, 25 years later. Now. Man, I think it's great. Like, Me too. I really like this album. I think it holds up really well. Again, it sounds mm-hmm. really good. Yes. It, it's just, it's very, very well done. I don't know why. You said there was a lot of publicity around this. I wish they'd pushed it coming even, out even more. Like, I, this... To me, it's yeah. kind of may- maybe, maybe I'm going to just say it, and this is going to be pushing it, but it might be the best like punk album Tooth and Nail put out. I'm just no, I know I it's agree. a big claim, and I, I agree. And you could argue what's going to beat it. I mean, some people would say Life in General or some no. other stuff, but um, there's I, some good stuff out there, right? But like Sumo Surprise doesn't beat this. Okay, Rusty doesn't beat this. What beats it? I mean, well, there's a million other pop punk bands that came out after this on tooth and nail okay. that we didn't really listen Fair. to um which <laughs> but again i i just to me this is pretty high up there um yeah. it's just extremely well done mm-hmm. yeah i think so too even though this thing i think was there was a major marketing push on this thing when it came out there's no videos of this yeah i don't there's, that like, there's that's no videos. a mistake because they could have made some great videos yeah for this like and of course, when their second album came out after Andy and Adam had left, Tooth and Up pretty much just same thing they did to like Bloodshed, for example. Like they just were like, sure, we'll put your album out, but you know, fuck you kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it, that one came out quite a bit later, right? Like 2000. Yeah. And I want to say late 2000. Yeah. Because yeah, I know at that big... point, I just wasn't really listening to this style of punk anymore and kind of moved yeah, on. Either. So I didn't really even listen to that one. Mm-mm. Um, but yeah, this was, this was great. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 you know, it's, we've already talked about all the reasons it's great. Guitars, vocals, lyrics, drums, everything's tight. It's perfectly produced for what it is. You know, I mean, it's just, 
what else do you want from this? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it never happened again because this this lineup of Craig's brother ceased to exist. Really? And Craig's brother did go on to make good music. We'll talk about it, but not I don't think this level again. Yeah, and again, I I I don't not that they didn't have good songs, but I still think like getting them in with a like really good producer. Um mm-hmm. what's his name? Donald Cameron. Yeah. Um who did a bunch of other punk bands and stuff at this time like that that paid off because the sounds mm-hmm. so good and so yeah. tight. Not that they're not yeah. that way on their own, but they ju- he just added like, it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, in all the stuff I listened to, I didn't really hear a lot about the recording process. So yeah, you know, he may not have been one of those producers that pushed people, but he's definitely one of those, one of those producers who captured what needed to be captured. I guess. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jay. So you sent me this article. Um, where they address the, the, uh, are they a Christian band type thing? Right. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I was like too long. Didn't read. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to take two paragraphs out of it. Okay. So before we say, before we do this, I actually do want to read, um, in one, in the, in the Rudy, Li- Rudy librarian interview with Ted, he said, I, I really just love this line. He said, I think we were wrong in assuming that we were a Christian band just because we were Christians. Hmm. I like that. So why is that? So he, he does write about this. We'll put the whole article in the show notes, the link to it. Um, it'll be the one that has the archive link. We'll put it at the top. But I, I want to read these two paragraphs here that he has because I think they're, they're somewhat interesting and there's somewhat interesting things to talk about with it. Um, he says, we're not just punks because we like a certain style of music. If that were the case, we'd have no reason not to be a Christian punk band. We're punks because we believe in punk. We believe that there is something seriously wrong with the status quo, justifications of power and social hierarchy, and that punk is a refreshing and honest attempt to call the bluff on those justifications. We believe that our our outlandish style and raucous music are not just a look or a sound. They're a statement of radical politics, a flat-out rejection of the establishment. There seems to be some confusion, however, about how a band can be punk if they are espoused believers in Jesus. Somehow in the 2,000-year history of Christianity, the story of Jesus has become tightly wrapped into the story of the status quo and the justification for government. It's as if people forgot that Jesus was a, more, was, was a radical who was executed by the government for being a revolutionary, for challenging the status quo at its, to its core. People forgot that Jesus is punk. With that in mind, I'm writing to explain why we Christians and Craig's brother are inspired to be punk. I'm writing to explain that the gospel, the story of Jesus' work on earth, is as radical and punk as everything else, as, as, as anything ever. What do you think? I want to take a little bit of exception to where he says, Somehow in the 2,000-year history of Christians, the story of Jesus has become tightly wrapped into the story of the status quo and the justification for government. It's as if people forgot that Jesus was a radical. I don't think that's true. I think that most Christians, and I'm going to say this as evangelical Christians, the ones that we grew up with, right? I don't think they forgot that. I think they fucking don't care, and they're terrified by it, because they want the status quo. If they could kill Jesus for being a radical again, they would do it because they need the status quo. They thrive on the status quo, and the status quo is what gives them power. 
No, they didn't forget it. They're terrified by it. Interesting. It's almost like they just ignore it. Yes. Yeah. It's not, it's not forgetting. It is a purposeful act. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Anyways. All right. What'd you think of the, uh, the album artwork? You know, I forgot it until you just sent it to me recently and it's really great actually. Um, yeah. It works really well for this. So if you don't know, it looks like a yearbook and on the inside, it's kind of set up like a yearbook, like the first two pages of the booklet. And it's actually like a booklet and the last two pages are um, like, you know, notes people have signed and stuff. And I yeah, just reading them, I'm kind of guessing they might actually be from some of their yearbooks. Um, yeah, there's a lot of references to master master voice. So I'm guessing this is maybe Ted's or someone else's like, but probably Ted's yearbook. Yeah, it's good. And then it's got like on the left side of each page, it's got kind of the typical yearbook photos and totally a ton of them are <laughs> look like they're taken from like, I don't know, the 60s. Yeah, or something. 60s or 70s or something. Yeah, yeah, yearbook. <laughs> but then it's got interspice. They've got the band members stuck in there. So like, you know, there'll be like, I don't know, 16 photos on the page, you know, rows of four. And then one of them somewhere on the page is one of the band members. Ted's photo is particularly funny because his hair is like completely covering his <laughs> eyes and he looks yeah. just like completely out of it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure. Uh, so on, on the, on the first page that's across uh, from uh, the yearbook thing is the lyrics for insult injury and going blind. Bottom right is a picture of, uh, of Ted. I think top left. I think that might be um, Adam. I think that's Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get some more yearbook stuff and some more lyrics here. There's definitely a picture. So in memory, the third song that we didn't cover is about a real person. Uh, and it actually has a picture here of that person, <laughs> which is a little heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then my Annie, I just realized this has a picture of Adam with, I'm assuming Annie. Yes. Uh, looks like a prom photo or something, um, which makes me wonder, like, is Adam married to Annie now? Did they stay together? I think so. Or is this just, like, super embarrassing <laughs> Like later? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they're still together, but I know they were, they were together for a while. Okay, okay. Then that, yeah. all right. It's just, I'm thinking, like, God, if I had something memorialized like this for time eternity with my <laughs> high school girlfriend, it just, uh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. And and it's weird because like some even on the parts with the with the lyrics, some of them are clearly from the seventies or whatever, and some of them are clearly nineties people making weird faces. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, but I really want to look at this page here. The page is labeled sixteen because I'm pretty sure that's Brandon Evil right there. Oh, you think bottom left? Yeah, he's wearing a vengeance like rising shirt or something um, like that. Yeah metal band yeah you might be right actually that's definitely his his long hair and then look at the top left photo it has a, a a drawing of a sword going through someone's mouth i think that might be um adam yeah but then all the other photos on this page look like they're once again from the 70s except for something. ted to the to the right of that with a shaved oh, head oh right here yeah yeah um so yeah it's a well done <laughs> album art like again this is kind of that era of tooth and nail when like they definitely have money so like 
they've done better yes. graphics on album art and better producer and just everything. Mm-hmm. So, so Bill Power is actually listed in the in the credits here as A and R. That's pretty interesting. Did you try to visit this geo? So they have a GeoCities website. Did you try to? Visit no, this I didn't. Did you? No, I'm going to type it in right now. www.geocities.com Sunset Strip Underground. Do you remember Underground? I remember Underground. <laughs> I remember GeoCities. Crap, I wanted to get the thing before I... Okay, yeah, it went away. It went straight to Yahoo. Because a long time ago, Yahoo bought GeoCities. Um, but the part I wanted to do here is I wanted to take this to archive.com and see if it is archived. Mm, ooh, look at this. You find something? All the way back to 1999. All right, man, put it on the shared screen. Um, It looks like the first archive is October 6th, 1999, which is a year after this, more than a year after this album comes out. It's mostly just broken stuff. What's new on Keeping It Real? So Keeping It Real was their uh, demo right before Homecoming. Ooh, an interview interview with Ted. Oops, we should have used that before this. Oh, (gasps) man. Oops. Oh, well. (laughs) Well, we'll, we'll, Okay, it's actually an interview from the time of this album. We'll post this in the... uh... Yeah, we'll link to this stuff. There's some fun (laughs) stuff on the website. All right, we'll we'll post this. Anyways, let's move on. (laughs) Any other... Any Wait, final uh, thoughts about the album? Well, they list some uh, bands here, so I'm going to read the bands that they think here in, in, in their liner notes. Slick Shoes, Burning Sienna, Reliance, Elite It, I don't know, Bracket, Lot 28, Five Iron Frenzy, Cardboard Pinup, Fury 66, that was a local band, I'm told, or I, I heard, uh, Dogwood, Left Out, Rainy Days, and Rainy Days says, quote, or, or parentheses, thanks for the name. Hmm. Yeah. Assorted Jelly Beans, MXPX, Project 86, Soul. It's D O U G H T. Do you think that's supposed to be drought? I have no idea. Doubt. I don't know. I don't know. Soul Doubt. Okay. Thumbs Up, Kid Tested, Maintenance Man, Defects, At Random, Porno Toy, Yellow Snow, The Blamed, Huntington's Squad Five O. Yeah, I think it's funny that they had a band called Porno Toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ted tells a story about Yellow Snow. He doesn't mention it as a band, but he mentions it as a song by a band about like why is there yellow snow? It's about like why is there imperfection in the world? It's from his description. I don't know. It sounded pretty pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. I think the cover, by the way, is just a little bit boring looking like it. Like it definitely does the yearbook thing, but I think it also looks a little bit boring because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I don't know. Anything else? Uh, You want to tell us where are they now? They're still putting out music. I, don't, I mean, there's not a lot else to say. Like I told you that um, Adam and Andy left to do to, and did one uh, blah, blah, did uh, Too Bad Eugene. Um, but other than that, the guys, you know, they put out in 2000, they put out Lost at Sea. They put out, uh, an EP called EP Edemic, like Epidemic on Takehold Records in 2004. And then in 2011, they put out The Insidious Lie, which some people think is the best Craig's Brother album. 
And then in a little bit before that, in 2009, 2010, they put out some some singles kind of on the internet. Um, and then in 2019, they did a uh, like a Kickstarter type um, thing and put out a five song EP called Devil in the Details. And it was such a success, they decided to do it again. And they made they put out an album just last year in 2022 called Easily Won, Rarely Deserved. But before that, they put out an EP right before it, like literally right before it, or like a month before the album came out, uh, called Craig's Brother. Yeah. So they put out lots of stuff. They're still they're still doing stuff. Yeah, still doing stuff. I think still playing some shows, not a lot. Yeah, but... not touring, but playing shows occasionally. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what are we doing for our next episode? I don't know. Because it's like way far in the future. Yeah. So we're recording these out of order and cool hand Luke, Luke so, so far. far. Yes. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Your Music Saved Us. If you enjoyed your time with us, please leave us a review or share this episode. Visit patreon.com slash ymsu to, get, to contribute and get extended episodes. Visit our website, yourmusicsavedus.com, to find out all the ways to listen. We're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Join our Facebook group or follow us to keep up with the latest or interact with us. Send complaints and disagreements to yourmusicsavedus at gmail.com. And I will say, if you don't get a reply, don't feel bad about emailing again, because we're not the best. Uh, we have full-time jobs, and, you know, we're not the best yes. at responding. Yeah. Uh, the music in this episode is the work of Craig's brother and his views with apologies, not permission. Go buy their stuff. Um, is it on banking? Actually, they have a website. Okay. Craigsbrother.com. There you go. So you can go there and buy stuff. And yeah. And all their stuff is also on Bandcamp. So there we go. Cool. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Bye.